All right. Hey, guys. Our very first episode three, because we talk a lot. So listen to all of you that are riding down to CMP this weekend and had to fill, I don't know, three hours of your time. I mean, what better to fill it with than the buttery tones of the voices of Captain Novice and Bo? I mean, this tell me what's better. The answer is absolutely nothing. I'll go ahead and give it to you. But World Superbike ran in Estoril. Um, the thing I noticed, and I talked to you about this too, whenever I watch a race at Estoril, all I can think about is that 2006 race in Estoril where Tony Elias beat Valentino Rossi, and that was a crucial, crucial win or loss for Rossi in not winning the championship in 2006. Tony Elias ran an unbelievable race, passed him in that last chicane uh, with a crazy move. It was great. Um, and, and and it's all I can think about. But what we had was a great race, or races, um, in, the, in the super sport and in the super bike class. And I think my biggest takeaway from watching all those races is Estoril is hard to pass on. There's a one-line track. One hundred percent. Yeah, I completely agree. There's, I, it was great racing, like you said, all weekend long. So that you know, can't take anything away from it. And, and World Superbike to me, it's so it's it's a different kind of fun to watch because these are the bikes that we are on, right? So we kind of, not that we can relate directly to these bikes. These bikes are on a whole different spec than what we've got as far as oh, different parts, right. you know, because they cost know, a little more than our bike. Yeah, for see, sure. You know, see Johnny Ray's bike. He's got you know the upside down swing arm is is one of the obvious you know differences on the bikes. But you know, there's even so much more that goes way deeper than that. Um, but no, yeah, Estoril as far as the track goes, to me. I think I got stressed every single time I saw those bikes coming into turn one uh, and even into <laughs> that, uh, into the reverse corkscrew. Um, yep. Oh my goodness. Yep. I, I mean, how are they not washing a tire out every single time that they go into that corner? Right. I, I, I think Estoril is such a unique track, right? It's just so unique in the way that it's laid out, but it is definitely a one line track. And what I think, you know, starting in Superbike, I'll, I'll start there, but I think, you know, in race one, Scott Redding winning the race, mm -hmm. Raz Gatlioglu in second, Johnny Ray's in third, Garrett Gerloff uh, finished in fourth in the first race, uh, Michael Rubin Rinaldi in fifth, Chaz Davies in sixth, Michael Vernemark in seventh, Alvaro Batista in eighth, Tito Rabat finishing in ninth, which is great. And uh, Locatelli finishing in 10th. I'm telling you, Locatelli is close. He's getting close. Um, but in the first race, you know, Redding got out like a shot. He went out on the SCX tire, which is, seems to be favoring this year um, because he seems to be able to do pretty well, make it last. Mm -hmm. um, and with a bike like the Ducati, it's tough to pass at Estoril anyway, but with something with that much speed and grunt out of the corners, it, it, I, I feel like it's almost impossible without them making a mistake. You just can't out horsepower them there. You have to get a run on them something fierce. And it's tough at Estoril because it, it just kind of lends itself to a one-line approach. And, you know, Redding managed that first race great. Yeah, the bike's definitely not upright a lot at Estoril. It's always moving and it's always turning and it's always, always leaned over and cranked over. Um, to me, I thought that was... That's a bit surprising to me that the Ducati looks after its tires that well, um, and its edge grip can still maintain. Isn't that, isn't that strange? As much power as it has, I mean, yeah. doesn't that 
to, to me really it's surprising strange. and you know obviously i've never ridden a v4 i don't know what what it's like mm. um but but we know that it's got tons of power and tons of torque we also know that scott redding's one of the bigger guys as well so yeah you know yeah. a lot of times we see that that uh, that in itself doesn't lend itself to good tire cons- or good tire management so you know kudos to scott redding that, that was a great race um, and really a great, was. great result that, that he needed and, and deserved. And and that was his second win in a row. I mean, he made the great decision to go slicks, yep. uh, second race at Aragon, so two races in a row. But I think <clears throat> the biggest thing I took away from that race was how good Top Rack is on the brakes. I mean, <laughs> oh my goodness. This guy into turn one, Jonathan Ray tried to pass him at least five times oh yeah and that uh, unreal on the brakes unreal i i and the bike never unreal. looks like it's out of shape either it's Mm-mm. always real tidy going in for for the most part yeah. considering how deep he's really getting in there on the brakes yeah it, it it's different you know and so i was i was just impressed time after time coming into turn one like you said with the pucker moments but rascat Lioglu was on those brakes every time same braking marker no problem and ray even mentioned it like hey man that guy on the brakes in the turn one was nuts he was so much deeper than i could go and uh you know all all credit to him because he ran a great race and you know i think if ray could have gotten in front of him he could have gapped him a little bit because he seemed to have better pace at the end of the race Mm -hmm. but with estoril being what it is with a guy that's that good on the front end of the motorcycle it I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, and Ray actually alluded to that uh, in his uh, in some of his post race interviews. You know, he even said that uh, as far as the second race when Toprak got hit with the two lo- double long lap penalty um, for the jump start, yep. Ray made the that's comment. That's the only way you know, can pass him. He, that's what he said. That's exactly <laughs> what, uh, essentially what he said. He had uh, he said that he had open track position because he saw that Toprak had to take the long lap, and he said he can. He said it was a free pass because Toprak can be hard to pass. So. He uh he put his head down and went after Redding, but um no top rack is well I mean he is the he is the protege of a great Turkish champion in World Supersport and you know he 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 took a lot of those lessons you know what I mean mm-hmm. um and I I just I'm just amazed at how good he is on the brakes and you know now it, it just it was just amazing to watch i mean jonathan ray to hold him off that many times that was impressive i was impressed um again jonathan ray though just doing what jonathan ray does i mean he when he can't win he's right there uh doesn't doesn't make silly mistakes doesn't make rash decisions no crazy um ill-advised maneuvers on the motorcycle and you could see that he was wanting to get by top rack but he was unwilling to risk it right uh and that's a big difference between ray and i think a lot of other riders and uh it, it he's just not willing he's like i'm gonna finish this race finishing races wins championships and i want to win championships so no that's, that's what, what we're gonna, gonna say he definitely rides with the championship goggles on which is you know if you're a factory that's what you want your rider to do you want your rider to, to know where he's at and know how to manage a race and to know not only how to manage a race but to manage himself within his own uh within right. his own package that he's got that day <clears throat> well i i always felt like you know that's important part of any world championship is the Number one, you have to be fast. You have to have outright speed because you're going to have to win some races usually. But more than that, 
is that you have to have the good head on your shoulders to say, hmm, this is probably a bad idea. You know, I mentioned uh, Toprak's uh, mentor in Keenan Safoglu. I didn't mention him by name, but that's who it is, who was a great super sport champion. And that was what Keenan Safoglu used to be the master of in those races. Let the rabbit run, let him go out and get there, and then he would slowly reel him back in. And he, he did it. In the end of his career, he was more of a, he would get out front, but there were a number of years where Safoglu, I watched him come from the pack. He didn't qualify well all the time, and he would come through the pack, and you'd see at lap 10, he's moved up to fourth or fifth, and then by lap eight, he's in third. And if there wasn't a huge gap at that point, you know, he would just somehow end up at the front of the race. I feel like Jonathan Ray is a little bit the same way. Now, the thing about Safoglu was, like, he was a little bit, it always looked a little bit out of control because he liked to slide the rear and he would go in sideways a lot. But mm. he, he was in control. It just looked like he was out of control. But Johnny Ray doesn't ride like that. He's always in line. Um, although if you look some of the pictures at Aragon coming into turn one, that rear tire is up in the air because uh, he's braking so hard with his foot off. And, you know, he look, it looks ragged in that one little split second. But it's never ragged. And to your point about him last week, about how he could just seem like you were going to lose the front, going to lose the front. Nope, he's not losing the front. Right. He's so smooth, so consistent. It's just amazing. But that's that's what a six-time six time consecutively. Now, we talked about this last week, and I was wrong. I, I want to get this out there because I thought that Sykes had broken up that six-time champion, but it was incorrect. You were yeah, correct. He had won six in a row. straight, right? Or since yep. 2015. Right, so Tom Sykes won won a championship and then Sylvan Gentile won a championship. And then since then it's been all Johnny Ray. And I don't know why I had it in my mind. Sometimes I think I'm smart, but every now and then, but, it, but it's always there. You're not really that smart. Go back and read. So, um, but Johnny Ray does what six time defending champions do. And that is be unbothered by the first three laps of the race. And, and then be there at the end of the race. You can't win in turn one, but you can sure lose it, right? Definitely. So, no, so he, he's in. But, hey, listen, let's move on to an American, Garrett Gerloff, finishing fourth in race one. Good on you, man. Now, he was mm, 8.6 seconds back off of Ray, but finishing fourth, the best of the rest, I'm, I'm happy with that result. No, definitely. I mean, Garrett Gerloff's, and, and once again, you know, this is a tough track, but Garrett Gerloff really looked good all weekend long um, with a couple of exceptions, exceptions that we'll get to later. Um, mm. You know, Gerloff fourth in, in race one, also f- fourth, I think, in the Super Bowl race. Yeah, he was fourth yep. in the Super Bowl yep. race. So, so those yep. are really good results. You know, top independent rider um, in both of those races. <clears throat> you know, Garrett Gerloff, I think out of the start of race one, if I remember correctly, he didn't didn't get a good start at all. Uh, I want to say he got swallowed up on the start, and he ended up fairly uh, shuffled back quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, and he had to fight back through the uh, through the pack. So, um, you know, good on him uh, coming up into fourth place and, and being able to bring home some points there. Yeah, so he's the top independent finisher, and he was just off the podium. That's great. You know, uh, in fifth we had Michael Rubin Rinaldi with the Aruba IT Racing, so Scott Redding's teammate. So they take a fourth and a fifth there. Um, I had made the comment, you know, about – um, being tough to beat Kawasaki, but if Alex, uh, I'm sorry, not Alex. Yeah, no, Alex Lowe's, Alex Lowe's, the, the other brother, not Sam Lowe's. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Alex Lowe's keeps, keeps struggling, 
you know, once a, once a weekend, that's not going to be as hard as I thought. I mean, Ray is always right there, but you know, a first and a fifth versus a third and a 19th. That's not, that's not great. Um, Michael Rubin and Audi looked much better this weekend. Uh, he seems to have gotten on a little better with the, the V4R. What do you think? I, I I agree. Um, we still see Chaz Davies, you know, back there stalking. I think a little bit. I think Ronaldo's still yep. still coming to terms with that team a little bit. Um, he had yep. a good Super Pole race result as well. He got a, a fifth place in the Super Pole race. Uh, started sixth. You know, made up one place to to come up into fifth. Um, and then um, unfortunately didn't finish the uh, race two on Sunday. But um, no, I, I think Ronaldo's going to take a, a little bit to come into his own. I think that he did the same thing last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh, at the end know, of the year is when he was the fastest. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He, he kind of came on strong. I remember Aragon kind of stood out to me quite a bit last yep. year. Um, but uh, I, I want to like see if, if a pattern is going to start forming there, you know, of that throughout the season. You know, if we start the season pretty slow and then come on strong, um, I'm not sure if that's what you want to look for if you're a, if you're running a team. Yeah, I so – Let's give Ronaldo the benefit of the doubt. I mean, you oh, know, of course, some uh, yeah. Of the, I'm not jumping yeah. to conclusions. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm agreeing with you. I, I think we give him the benefit of the doubt. But he, you know, a finish a fifth right there is is good. And let's see where it goes from here. Something to build on. Yeah, it's fifth at a, at a tough track too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So six have placed Chaz Davies. Now, you know, we mentioned Chaz Davies with another solid race. I mean, that's just what Chaz Davies is there to do. He he's a solid, solid finisher. Mm-hmm most every weekend and we he's on team go 11 but as i noticed i mean why is he running the aruba it racing livery just with a different color that's a little weird right am i wrong i don't think so. i don't know i mean it's definitely peculiar uh, you know and and it's something that i would like a little bit more color behind um because I do remember the Go 11 team last year. It ran a completely independent livery. Uh, it was a red mm-hmm. and white, you know, as far as opposed to that. And I don't, don't remember seeing any Aruba IT decals anywhere, um, unless they were a little bit more subtle than they are on the uh, on on Davy's bike this year. Um, you know, but maybe there's some cross support going on there. Maybe you know, maybe Aruba team. IT is contracted with Chaz Davies, <laughs> and that was an attractive thing for Team Go 11 to get that money. Right. You know, maybe they're like, hey, we're doing the both of those riders, but we're also doing it's just weird you don't see that very often where they're running exactly the same livery just with different color so it's just weird i just found it peculiar um i will say the stripes again, go a different direction i think they're, mm, they're angled in different directions look at you with the artistic eye it's all about the details you think you would make do a better job with our logo god but anyway <laughs> <laughs> Shots got fired. him yeah no i i got you set you on fire there um been waiting for months to get you with that oh um so michael vandermark on the bmw finishing behind davies in seventh i i again now he on the top speed vandermark was way down surprisingly um you know only at the max the fastest he got it to was 318.6 the fastest of the weekend um, was Tito Rabat at 326.3, the guy that finished uh, two places behind him. But, you know, I feel like that BMW is coming around. I, I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked to see Vandermark 
mixing it up with the uh, the front group, the front four or five at the end of the year. I wouldn't be shocked with that. How about you? No, no, no. This was a good result for BMW, and that's what Vandermark actually stated at the end of the weekend was that, you know, right now they have to improve on consistency. You know, he spent some time uh, behind another BMW, I think, in race two, and, and really saw where their bike, the, the factory bike, um, is starting to struggle or is currently struggling. Um, so it was good for him to see that, and, and I think, you know, he's seeing that that bike's not jumping off the corner uh, quite as good as the other bike was, and, you know, I think, I want to say that we saw this a little bit last year, the BMW uh, was down on top speed a little bit, um, but, but no, six, seventh place in uh, race one, uh, to me, that's a solid finish for Vandermark. Um, you know, he's I still, agree. he's coming to terms with the bike. Uh, it's a new bike. It's still <laughs> being developed. It's a, it's a pretty new package that they're working with this year. So, you know, for him to come in seventh, um, you know, and, and his teammate Sykes all the way down in 14th, you can't really, you can't argue Vandermark's results and the time and the effort that he's putting no, on that bike I, at all. I think Vandermark's doing a great job. I, I do. I think to point, he's helping develop that team, or sorry, the bike, and they'll they'll get. He, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna be surprised if he's not a little bit closer to the front by the end of the year, or up there fighting at least for some of the race. You know, definitely, I completely um, agree. Yep. But talk to me about Team HRC. I, is is all of Honda racing a complete dumpster fire. I mean, can we get anybody from Honda to put it on the flipping podium? I mean, let's go. So, so what, keep in mind what we talked about with MotoGP. Honda doesn't have a direction in MotoGP. They're, everyone's kind of doing something different. They, they know where the problem, where a problem is, there are many different problems, but they don't have a direction. It doesn't seem on how to fix it or where to get to a solution. Now, enter Alvaro Batista's comments from the weekend. Um, and, and I'm going to quote here. If you see on track, we don't miss big things in some areas. We're just losing small things everywhere. There is not one area that is very bad, and we have to improve. Uh, improve. In general, it's the whole bike that has to improve. So uh, Alvaro Bautista already um, mentioned as well that they're working on electronics too. Uh, they're having issues with some traction. They're, 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 it's not stable under braking. So to me, and to answer your question about the HRC dumpster fire, it's burning. Well, look. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think you're right, though. I, I mean, I think that HRC right now has on. No, no. Listen, I'm at a loss as to how a company that was so focused on racing in its infancy that it near, literally nearly bankrupted itself to race in Europe. And I don't know if you know the history of Honda, but this is true. They literally were built, the, the, the founder of Honda wanted to race so much that he almost bankrupted the company because he wanted to compete in racing. This company is a huge, they're not a conglomerate like Kawasaki, but they're a huge company. And they have the resources to fix this. So why are they showing up at the world stage, the world level, in MotoGP and a World Superbike with an absolute work in progress is the best way I can describe it. 
It is you know, the, the, all you did was add a bunch of R's and a bunch of power, and you thought that was going to do it. And that's just not true. And they should know better. They should know better. I just don't understand how you do that as a factory team. You're like, you know what? This feels like the right thing. You know what? It doesn't break well. It doesn't do traction control well. And the engine braking isn't great. But let's just go see what happens. No, I agree. And, and you know, this bike was supposed to be the the revolutionary Honda, right? The, the, the Fireblade of 2008 up to 2016... It had some revisions in the a little a few revisions of the engines. We didn't see any electronics all the way up until uh, 2017, which Honda kind of predicated on the idea of what they call it the total control or the total experience or total ride control, something that which is why they didn't put electronics on it. Which to me is kind of a um, that's a backhanded way of just of laziness, if you will, because we saw the way that the industry went even from 2010 onwards, um, whenever BMW came on, launched the S1000RR. Um, the BMW S1000RR really changed the industry, and, and it forced um, all the other manufacturers, it forced the big four that, in Japan to move into a new I, technological age, right? So Honda well, really yeah. lacked all the way through that. But why? Why are they lacking? That's what I, I, for for whatever reason what I don't are they think doing Honda, over there in Japan? I don't think Honda is as concerned with racing as they they once were. Oh yeah, well I mean it shows. Uh, well, the results definitely show that, right? I mean, but, but they're throwing money at Mark Marquez like it's nobody's business. Uh, you know, they signed with the contract extension. Um, a couple of years ago, and Mark cannot save you anymore. No, I agree. I, I mean, I'm 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 on board with you here. You know, I, mm -hmm. I agree with that. But I mean, wh where do we go from here? If you are a Honda, you know, what do you do? You you've you've now released another bike that you know we see in stock trim at the at the at our grassroots level here in uh, in the United States at the Moto America Stock 1000 level is a very strong package. No, but it. If you're right. gonna they take put out this at least bike, a decent bike. But if you're going to take this bike to the world stage in World Superbike, you better make that bike scalable. You've got to be able to take yep. that bike and improve it even more while keeping it in spec. So why would you not reverse engineer what you're trying to get to back down to that stock 1000 level to then re release and homologate that, but still have, an, have a direction where you think you, you know you need to go? Yeah. Why would you, why would you try? Oh my gosh. This is, it's just embarrassing to me. I, I, I feel like, you know, I was such a big Honda supporter for so long, but right now I'm just like, well, I mean, I, I, I in our last, in the last few minutes, I related them to Scooby-Doo in the chase scene for Scooby-Doo. I feel like that's what we're doing. Like there's no, like, I, I just don't understand. I mean, that bike is obviously in a straight line, got crazy power. Mm -hmm. So we have that. We don't need that, but, we don't have anything else. So you're telling me in this billion dollar corporation, what your engineers, all that brain power that's in that design room sat there and thought, you know what we're going to do? This thing is going to be a great drag bike. Let's take it to World Superbike. <laughs> <laughs> it just kills me. I, I just, I can't take it. I, I got to get off my high horse because I'm sure it's harder than I think it is. And I, 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 they know a lot more than I do. And maybe it's money, maybe maybe you're right maybe they don't care 
Um, well, we've seen the market I, shifts, you know, and I think that well, kind of plays into it. You know, we've seen well, Yamaha well, completely on. pulled the plug on the R6 package and, and came out well, with this yeah, but, well, hold on, though. R7. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sidebar. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. But the, but here's the thing, though. They didn't just they didn't just pull the plug on a bike and not do it anymore. I mean, that's what KTM did. They pulled the plug on their their leader bike don't get me started on that we know we've already gone through that with you and it's a sensitive subject calm yourself but 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 here's the deal you put out a similarly priced bike to the bmw Mm -hmm. and you're like here come buy this bike it's super fast in a straight line it has a an exhaust canister or silencer the size of rhode island and it's awesome this is what your selling points are because you can't point to the world stage and say, you know, we're dominating in racing. No, what we have to sell is we're super fast. Look at this exhaust, the longest in the category. That's where you're at right now. <laughs> Kawasaki and the is, most you have the most consonants in your model name too. Oh Let's yeah, not and that. you know what else? No one will have more R's in the name of their bike than you will. It's a pirate. Think bike. about it. It is. It's a. It's a pirate CBR bike. Yeah. I see. Yeah. And then there's so many R's, and I don't understand how many R's are there, and I don't understand why there's an SP on it sometimes. And then I really don't understand the exhaust design. Yeah. The, the like three who, R's. What what drunk guy came up with that? Like who who was like? I bet you you won't make it four feet long. Oh yeah. Watch this. And, and, and we'll and, put an Acra sticker on it. It'll and, be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, obviously, the people are going to come out of the woodwork. Well, these guys have got to be Euro 5 specifications. It has to be homologated. It's got to be, you know, meet this. That's why it's got a giant can on it. But we get it. Okay, understand it. It's still stupid. So, you know, I'm, and I'm going to go off on it. So, <laughs> so, it's still stupid. So the, We understand the, what you're saying. It's the, the law. It's the just CBR, stupid. Those, all those R's, uh, you know, what Honda has done, it, 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 those R's, the reduce, reuse, and recycle. That's all. That, that's what they've done with that model. And uh, it's it's appalling, you know. They, they've put pretty wings on the front of the bike. Congratulations. They're not that pretty. You They're not it, that pretty. Uh, well, I'm being objective. But and you can't see them because of the exhaust. <laughs> <laughs> it's so big. It, it's, it's almost illegal. You almost need to put a flag on the back of that thing. It looks like you're, you know. It looks like it's coming out the back of your truck. You can haul golf clubs in it, no question. Oh my gosh! Uh, you know what? We have gotten off on a tangent that we, we it's should. Rele- it's relevant. <laughs> yeah, it's getting late, guys. We are fired up, but you know, I, let's let's move on from Honda and Bautista and their struggles. <laughs> Bautista pulled it in a top ten. They have some issues. They're going to work on it. Hopefully, they'll get it figured out. They should. They're Honda. Mm. Um, Tito Rabat with Barney Racing Ducati. I mentioned he had the fastest top speed. You know, he finished in the top 10. So good for Tito Rabat. I, ever since Tito Rabat won the world championship in Moto2, he's been nowhere. So some top 10s and then working your way towards the front would be really good for me to see Tito Rabat. You know, I've seen Tito Rabat in person a number of times at the Austin airport. And every time he comes to Texas, he wears a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. And I find that hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. And, uh, you know, but, you know, so he's obviously a character. He's I just want to do that. He's embracing the culture. Yep, absolutely. And he's got a huge smile on his face all the time. So I, I, I think Tito's great. I just want him to do better. 
Uh, and in 10th, Locatelli. Locatelli, the rookie, the defending super sport champion. I told you, I think this kid's get, starting to get it. And, you know, he was 20 second, 27 seconds off the, the first place. Okay. But I think at the same time, this is a, this is a tough class to come into. Mm-hmm. And he's going to grow. He's going to grow and watching and being able and having access to the data of his teammate that we know the bike can do it. So he'll, he'll get there. If he's got the talent, he'll get there. No, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. You know, he's, I think there were some people that were upset that Gurloff didn't get that seat um, with the factory team. But, you know, the, the Patty Yamaha team is dedicated to looking at that young talent and, and bringing it into the class and, and, and working with it and building it. So, uh, you know, good on to Locatelli for, for starting to, to see that, uh, those, those finishes and starting to get a whole, get a grips of the bike. I think you're right. I, I think he's going to be making some big steps forward this year. And I'm excited yep. to see where, where he goes. Yep. Well, you know, yeah. moving on to race two and Superbike, you know, Ray just doing what Johnny Ray does. I mean, he, he was on the SC0 tire versus the SCX again. Um, but this time he was able, because of the long laps, he was able to get ahead of Razgatliaglu. And, you know, Toprak couldn't catch him once he got in front of him. You know, Ray's overall speed on the track was better. And then what he did was he just hassled Scott Redding into a mistake. And I... And we talked about this a little bit off the off air. I, I, Johnny Ray just does not worry about what happens in the first six or seven laps. He's just so cool and calm, and he just lets the race come to him, and he just does the right thing seemingly all the time. Like he just does. He 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 felt like he had the speed to win in race one. He just couldn't get by Top Rack. Once he was by top rack, I think he felt like, no problem. I'm going to get this done. And then Redding made it easy for him. And Estoril's a tough track for him, I believe. You know, he was super excited for, for to get both the Super Bowl race win oh, and, yeah. the, and this race yeah. two win. And, but but Jonathan Ray, and, and back to your point, Jonathan Ray has the uncanny ability to engineer a race. Uh, you know, uh, he really he, does. It's unbelievable. And I, I don't want to say manage the race. But I don't want to say engineer the race because he, it's almost like he knows what's going to happen. He knows that his tire is going to drop. He knows that eventually he's going to start having that pace again. He knows where his pace can be. He knows where he's willing to take that pace. And then he takes all that together, all that, those variables in that equation together, and he formulates a plan, and he goes out and he executes that plan now at aragon we saw uh, you know sometimes there are changes that and variables that you can't account for like a girl off missile coming up underneath of you but you know as far mm-hmm. as estoril goes this race to victory to me was just so poised and so strong and and we saw in one race if you could see how if you could see Ray, why Ray is a six-time world champion in one race, this is one of those races. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, he, you, and, you saw it. That was a perfect example of why he is a world and, champion. And even beyond all of him on the bike, there is the fact that you know as well as I do, he's got a he, he he's got a uh, he knows Scott Redding. You know, he, he and Scott Redding they've raced together before. He knows that Scott Redding's uh, I don't want to say a hothead, but uh, but Scott Re- Scott Redding has it wears his heart on his sleeve. You know what I mean? That that that's what I'll say, and and I say that lovingly because I, I really like Scott Redding. I, I, I'm a I'm a fan of Scott Redding. I think he's an awesome rider to watch. I enjoy watching him ride. I enjoy his post race interviews. I think that he gives us a lot more raw look into the rider themselves and kind of what they're thinking on the bike. Um, and I appreciate Scott Redding for that. But on the other side of that coin, we saw what what that 
can sometimes do to you mid-race. Um, and like you said, he, he just hounded Scott Redding. Scott Redding saw his pit board continuously coming down, coming down, coming down, coming down. You know, Ray's getting closer, Ray's getting closer until Ray was there. And then Ray, when Ray got there, Ray didn't make an immediate move to get by Scott Redding. Ray just sat there. He, he sat there mm-hmm. for a couple Harassed laps. Harassed him. And, yep. and, and he waited for a move. You know, he, he made a move into turn one. He ran wide. Redding got him, Redding got him uh, back on the cutback slightly. And then and then uh, Redding w- ran wide again in turn three, I believe. And that's yep. when Johnny Ray went up underneath of him. And then turn four was a switch back to the left. Scott Redding had a shallow line. Scott Redding tried to make the move and really almost took Ray out. Um, yep. It was really close, you know, whenever yeah. Scott Redding lost the front. But, yep. um, you know, Scott Redding was really upset with himself He, he with that mistake. Um, he knew that, that I don't want to say, Ray baited a hook and Scott Redding bid on it. Um, yep. So, you know, Redding. Yeah, that's that's just that's, that's part of the the majesty, not the majesty, but the, the, the aura of Jonathan Ray. I mean, that's just who he is. Like, he... He's so calm, like you were saying. He baited that hook. He knew Redding would be. He knew Redding. He was like, Redding's going to try to get right back in front of me. Let me make it the nope. worst possible scenario for him, and let him take it. And if he makes it, great. We'll just keep doing that until he doesn't, and I'll I won't have to work so hard. But um, you know, so you know, he had Ray finishing in first. Davies was in second. Razgat Lioglu was in third, even with the two long lap penalties mm-hmm. for the jump start. Lowe's came back, finished in fourth. Locatelli, there's that man. Yep. F- finished fifth. Michael Vandermark was sixth. Alvaro Batista, seventh. Tom Sykes was in eighth, so much better for Tom Sykes. Eugene Laverty was uh, in ninth, and Tito Rabat was in tenth. So, the biggest thing that I took from, you know, was that Top Rack had great speed doing two long laps and still finishing third. Davies is doing a magnificent job at Go 11 Ducati. He's yes. doing a great job. He's, I mean, he's, that's two podiums now. Um, unfortunately, the other rider from Aruba IT Ducati was taken out by the American, Garrett Gerloff, on a, I mean, on a Muppet Sunday, um, I said I didn't think I would see Garrett make another mistake like he made in Aragon Race 2. I saw Garrett make another mistake like so, he made in Aragon Race 2. And I know, hang on, I know you're going to try to defend him. I am. But I am not. Because you can't, it does, I, I talk to my son about this all the time. <laughs> It does not matter. Are you preaching to Garrett Gerloff right now yeah. as your child? It, it, it does not matter that you did not mean to. The consequence of the action, it, do, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you're sorry, and that's great, but you ruined another rider's race. And you have to be in control because they're, they are trusting that you are in control of your machine. And their life depends on that. There's a, we see that already. Jason DePasquier, we see that. The lives of the people around you depend on your control of your machine. And right now, you're not doing a very good job of that. And you're earning the reputation of a little bit out of control. And you don't really ever get away from that if you earn it. We still talk about Zarco being out of control. He hasn't been out of control one time this year. We still talk about it. 
you don't get away from it. Garrett has got to nip that in the bud right now. Your the floor is yours, sir. So I don't completely disagree with that. However, I, I think the Aragon incident was out of control. I don't know what happened at Estrell this weekend, but I do know that, you know I had read Garrett Goloff's comments um, that you know he pulled up under breaking a little bit early um, in that particular corner. Uh, something had happened to him. Uh, something happened with the bike that for some reason it kicked him. Uh, is what were, were his words. The bike kicked him, and I think that caught him off guard. Um, but back to your point, you know, these riders have an amazing amount of talent behind them, and they've they've they still have to be able to contend with unexpecteds. Um, so what I saw in that corner, um, I, I saw that Garrett Gerloff didn't break late. Uh, I did see the rear end break loose. But what I also saw was Garrett Gerloff continued to attempt to turn in uh, when the bike started bucking him. I didn't see him stand the bike up and go straight because I, I feel like there was plenty of room he would have taken into the long lap penalty lane mm-hmm. and probably could have gotten, I that, agree. Bike. He yep, gotten yep. that bike stopped. Um, so obviously we're armchair quarterback in here. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just I get frustrated with any rider that does it, and when it's an American, it just hurts worse. But it do, again, it doesn't matter really um, why it happened. You know, to me now it's happening regardless of the circumstances. It's happening to you too much, and uh, the consequence of that was that you took out Rinaldi that time, and he, luckily no one was hurt. That's great. But you need to, you need to, I'm going to have to take the calm down juice that I was going to give to Zarco early in the year. And now I got to give it to you. You got to, you got to take a big swig of this before the race because you can't crash once out of the two races every weekend and be a serious contender. Number one. And number two, you don't want that, that reputation to develop around you because that's twice that you've crashed and hit someone. Yeah. So let's let's just not do that anymore. Crashing is one thing. Crashing and hitting other riders is completely another thing. So let's not do that. Definitely. Um, all right. So that's about all I had for Superbike. Now that I've uh, thoroughly uh, beat up on our American hero. Um, I and again, I like you, Garrett. I think you're great. I I, do, I know you're not meaning to, but let's fix it. Go go team USA. Um, Let's go to World Supersport, and I'm going to cover both of these races real quick. Like, um, so Stephen Odendahl won race one. Philip Odell was second. Jules Cluzel was third in the first race. Fourth, Dominica Gerder. Fifth, Miguel Gonzalez. Sixth, Rafael De Rosa. Seventh, Bernardi. Eighth, Sumer. Ninth, Krumenacher. And tenth, Bergman. So Odendahl starting it off unbelievable for the year. Now, in race two, you had Dominica Gerter winning, Bernardi on the podium in second, Philip Odell again on the podium in third, Miguel Gonzalez in fourth, Hans Sumer in fifth, Caracasulo in sixth, Can on Chu in seventh, Nikki Tuli was eighth, ninth, Randy Krumenacher, and tenth as Alcoba. So, one of the things that um, stuck out to me about race one was Again, Stephen Owendall pulling it out, making the right decisions, winning three in a row, and just looking 
like a step above everyone else in the class in race one. Um, Philip Odell's right there. He's he's riding tremendously this year on the on the Kawasaki ZX6R. Which, by the way, I checked. You were a hundred percent correct. That is a five ninety nine uh, CC machine. That is not a six three six like we have in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it's because America. I don't know why we get a six three six, but um, they they run a five ninety nine. So they're on level terms there in the uh, European Yamaha Cup. And it's, you know, so um, Nikki Tooley, you know, is the only one on the MV. So he's out there carrying that flag. But, you know, it's just such good racing in these races. But it, through the first three, Odendahl was obviously a cut above. Didn't you agree? Yeah, no, I completely agree there. Um, you know, Odendahl had, a, had some bad luck in the second race because we would have seen him right up there with him, you know, in the top five as well, I believe. Um, but no, he's... Uh, this class is just a fun class to watch. <clears throat> They're always yep. fighting, you know, five, six right in that front group. Um, and it just makes for, for a lot of enjoyment for us. Right. I, I think it's great. Now, some interesting things. Now, Cluzel has had a number of injuries over his career, and now he shifts gears with his right foot because his left foot and ankle don't move. Yeah, well they're fused together, yeah. Yep. So he shifts with his right foot which was interesting watching him on that long right-hander coming onto the front straight. Um, uh, that's something I didn't think. Thule had a penalty that he had to deal with uh, coming from Super Bowl uh, or something he did. I, I, I'm not, I still don't know what he did, but he, he had to start from pit lane, and he was super fast in that race. Like, he was fast. He was faster than the guys that were winning the race, but he was just so far back because of the pit lane start. Well, I... So I have a, a couple of thoughts. You know, Dominica Gerder winning race two was, I think, for Tecate racing Yamaha. We mentioned them last time. Mm-hmm. But I I think that's a, you know, for him, that was pretty emotional. You know, a Swiss rider winning when the, the Swiss yeah. rider Jason yeah. DePasquier had passed. And, um, you know, what we saw, you know, DeRosa and Odendahl crashing out of race two was a big deal. Um, but it allowed a girder Dominic Agurda looked really good that entire race. No, he, he looked did. fast. He looked like he had <laughs> the speed. And yep. and even if those two guys don't fall, I think he might. He had a chance to still win it. But you know, as much as we talk about Odendahl, you know, Philip Odell's been right there too on the Kawasaki. I mean, he he's been right there every time, and Odendahl has been able to beat him until this fourth race. But I think. Now that that streak is broken for Odendahl, I'm wondering if Philip Odell might actually turn up the heat a little bit and start to start to get Odendahl a little bit. What are you thinking? No, I agree that we've seen good racing out of these guys um, all year long, and I think that since the since we're missing a bigger presence of the Kawasaki in uh, World Supersport, you know, there's just a lot more information out there on the R6. Um, that that chassis and that bike that's just got a lot more success behind it at the moment. Um, but you know, the, I think it's, a, I think the bike, it's the bike right now with Odell. Uh, I think that he's going to, uh, keep working around that package and keep finding speed out of it. And I think it's, I think it's there. I, I think that, you know, Odell's just one big result away from, you know, kind of opening the floodgates. Well, he's obviously right on that podium, mm-hmm. you know, ev- almost every weekend or every race. I mean, he's, I know he's at least on three of them. Um, I can't remember if he's been on all four, but you know, he's right there and he's always right at the front of this class. So it's really good to see. And 
uh, and, and and I'm enjoying watching it. it you know, I'm, I'm learning the guys and their their histories and kind of looking through. We have a lot of guys like we talked about last week that are that were in MotoGP at one time or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Nikki Tooley even rode in Moto E. So, you know, it, it's uh, it's going to be a great a great series to watch. It's going to be a lot of fun happening. But, um, you know, I've, I've talked about it as much as I've got. I mean, do you have anything that we missed that I forget something? No, sir. I believe that is it. Um, we definitely right. we had a lot to talk about. Um, you know, we opened with it, uh, but I'd like to close with it again. You know, continuing to send our our thoughts and prayers out to the to the absolutely the, the Depasquier family, um, and the entire MotoGP, Moto2, and Moto3 grid. Uh, it's a tough tough thing to go through. So uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, for everybody. You know that just heard us for the first time. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Parked and Turn One, um, and and, um, and we'd love to have you. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We're always ready to interact with people. Um, it's it's great, and um, you know we love this community, and we felt the loss of Jason DePasquier just like everybody else. Um, so you know, with that, listen, guys, keep that shiny side up and that rubber side down. And uh, enjoy the rest of your week. And until next time, I'm Captain Novice. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I will, Bo and I will talk to you next Thursday. See you later. See you guys.